Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Inside the Alliance podcast brought to you by K-Squared Sports. We got a, a great show for you guys tonight. Uh, some big news. Big, biggest news coming out of the AAF this week is Johnny Manziel just recently released uh, by the Montreal Alouettes, potentially looking to play here in the States, either in the AAF this year, potentially in the XFL. Uh, but right now, we're thinking that he's coming to the AAF uh boz what are your thoughts right now what do you think about johnny manzel how does he mesh with this league and and do you think he's a fit for this league uh manzel to the commanders confirmed based on sources internally only only by me 100 percent confirmed what makes you so confident boss he he fits that perfect that 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 perfect uh uh mold that they want in a quarterback in this league they want to get that hometown guy so you know commanders Woodside's not really proven it for them Vanzel brings in the fans we already saw the AAF made an attempt at Tebow and Kaepernick who's the third quarterback in that trilogy it's Manziel it, it is a perfect fit he's gonna raise the attendance every single person in Texas absolutely loves Manziel he's gonna light it up hopefully maybe maybe not who knows but he's just going to be fun to watch, and you'll see the money sign flashed around. It's going to be great. Yeah, regardless of his performance in this league, I think he instantly becomes the face of the Alliance of American Football. He would be by far the most well-known name. Uh, you know, obviously a high draft pick just a couple of years ago by the Cleveland Browns. Uh, he's a lot that he can bring to the table to the AF. A lot of recognition. A lot of fans would, would tune in if, if Johnny Manziel's out there playing. Uh, and if he's able to stay, you know, in the Texas area with the San Antonio Commanders, like you said, I think that's a great fit for him. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what's happening. And I would be surprised at this point if he didn't end up landing with one of these teams in the Alliance of American Football. Uh, some other news coming out of the AAF this week. Uh, the NFL is now considering the Sky Judge uh, as a part of their uh, referee tandem as well. Uh, so it's something that the AAF has instituted recently in this league. Uh, if, if the sky judge sees something from up in the booth, he's able to to throw a flag or, or, or make a call that, that maybe some of the, the uh, referees on the field didn't see. So, uh, again, like we talked about, uh, the AAF may end up changing the way that the NFL uh, runs their league. And, and we're seeing the first ball start to drop. Now, nothing's confirmed. Uh, the NFL just said that they were going to start looking into this, uh, but it's an interesting development to see that the NFL is taking after the AAF uh, at looking at a, a potential new rule to allow a sky judge. So, Boz, what, what are your thoughts on that in terms of how that meshes with the NFL? Do you think that's uh, – has it been good so far for the AAF, and do you think this would be good for the NFL moving forward? Yeah, it, it really hasn't been overutilized in the AAF that much just because, you know, most calls do get called or, I mean, you really only hear about missed calls in every couple of games, so it's not too big, but it's just a common sense rule that I'm just frankly surprised that the NFL hasn't adopted on their own and the fact that now they have this competition from AAF and fans are saying what they like, you know, this is the first uh first thing to drop and, and change. And I know we're going to see multiple changes after this. I know we're going to be able to see that camera of the, uh, the, the ref from above talk. And I know we're going to see, I mean, who knows? We might even see no more kickoffs anymore. Uh, a lot of things are going to make from the AF is going to make changes in the NFL. 
Yeah, it's interesting to see how some of these new rules are really working for the AAF right now. So uh, a good possibility that the NFL takes after them, like you said, in the kickoff. That's something that the NFL has tried for years to make less dangerous. And, you know, they increased the amount of touchbacks by pushing up the kickoff line. But at the end of the day, you're still dealing with hard hits. And, you know, if, if the NFL is looking to re- remove the kickoff from the game, then uh, the AAF is kind of writing that script for them as we speak. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that develops. All right, so now we're going to introduce a new segment on the show here. It's called All In or No Dice. So what we're looking for here, we're looking for some bold predictions in terms of who we're all in on. And, and for No Dice, it's guys that we re- really don't believe in or maybe a team that we don't believe in, something that uh, you know, we saw as maybe it was a fluke last week and, and, you know, we're saying no dice to that. So with that, I'm going to hand this one off to you, Boz, for, uh, you're all in who, who are you all in on this week? All right. This is going out to all of the Atlanta legends fans, uh, possibly the most hated player in the league right now. I am all in on Matt Sims. Wow. This is, this is bold. And I'm making a bold first name because it's a first all in. Let me read you a couple of facts. Third in the league in yards. He's he's third in the league in touchdown passes and third in the leagues in completion percentage. That's the top half of the league. You can't be a bad quarterback if you're in the top half of three of the biggest categories. And and you look at his his interceptions he has, it's bouncing off the wide receivers. What can he do? Yeah, I agree with you. I think some of those interceptions last week were unfortunate. Now, granted, he threw three of them so that's a little concerning in itself and well, i'll dive i'll dive into that in the game that those were three interceptions that very fluky very I, fluky i think the thing that he has going for him right now which is really something that's not going well for him right now is is there's no rushing attack so there's mm-hmm. nobody helping him out right now i think he's playing fairly well like you said he's getting unlucky with the interceptions he's throwing for a lot of yards uh, but most of that is because he's throwing it about 50 times a game, which is way too much. So I think this team can start to develop a, run, a rushing attack. And, and last week we saw, you know, the Birmingham Iron have a very good defense, maybe the best defense in the league right now. Uh, you get them this week and they're playing Arizona, maybe the rushing attack breaks out a little bit. Maybe Matt Sims gets a little bit more comfortable. So, you know, as much as I reacted to that right away, uh, I, I don't mind the pick. I think Matt Sims can turn it around. You know, he's an experienced veteran. He's been around football for mm-hmm. a long time. I I could see that working out. He's just got to cut down on the interceptions, whether that be his fault or the wide receivers. Uh, that's what's really killing this team at the end of the day. It's it's ridiculous. Anytime that team posts anything on Twitter, it's, where's Murray? We want Murray. Sit Sims. He's trash. It's ridiculous. It's not his fault. He was the leading passer. On the team, guess what else he led the team in last week? Rushing. You can't have the quarterback lead the team in rushing with 27 yards and expect to win a game. Yeah. This That's team not his needs fault. To, this team needs to find a, a rushing attack in a hurry or they're going to find themselves out of the race already for the playoffs. Um, I like to pick Matt Sins. I'm going to go a little different direction here. It's a guy I've talked about a lot on the show, and mm-hmm. that is Zach Mettenberger and the Memphis Express. He was my preseason play of the year. 
I told you he would get a chance to start in this league and he would take care of his opportunity, and that he did. 9 of 12, 120 yards, two touchdowns, almost led the Memphis Express back against the Orlando Apollos. I think this team is looking up. I think they are ready to go. They just competed with the best team in the league in the Orlando Apollos. I think they're going to come in and they mean business. Uh, you know, taking on the San Diego Fleet team this week at home, coming off a big win um, over the San Antonio Commanders. I think Memphis Express is is poised to make a playoff run now. I think Zach Mettenberger is the best quarterback in this league already. I know Garrett Gilbert has done a lot of good things for the Orlando Apollos, but I think Zach Mettenberger shoots immediately to the top of this league. I think he puts Memphis Express right up there with the Orlando Apollos as one of the best teams in this league, and they're going to make a run and make the playoffs. Well, I, I do agree with you. I do like him. I do like that team this week uh, just just because it's a fleet, but he's going to regress. He's not that good. There's a reason why he was a third-string quarterback. You, you can't be third-string quarterback and expect to be the MVP. That's just not going to happen. He was behind Hackenberg, who hasn't been good since high school. I'm going to tout this. Hackenberg peaked in high school. And you know what? Hackenberg had a couple nice passes last game, too. It, that's what happens when you come in, when you're a substitute, you come into the game as a quarterback, you're already at a deficit. You're going to be airing the ball out. You're going to make, you're going to get your yardage. You're going to get your touchdowns because the defense is going to draw, is going to play back and give you some yardage. I think that's all, that's all that happened. I think Menberg is a fluke. I, I don't think, I think we're, I think we're going to see the other quarterback in there in three weeks. Really? Mm -hmm. That's an interesting mm -hmm. take. I, I have to disagree with that. I mean, Christian Hackenberg, everyone falls in love with the mechanics. Everyone says he's he's just got to develop. He's so close. He's got the mechanics. He's just got to put it together. But the guy's never going to put it together. And I I don't see them going away from Zach Mettenberger. 10 yards per attempt, you know, 12 attempts, 120 yards, two touchdowns, a two-point conversion. This guy had it all going. He, he took advantage of his opportunity. I can't imagine him relinquishing this job at this point, you know, and playing against the Orlando Apollos, who are the best team in the league right now and, and have a very, very good defense. Uh, I think this guy's in it for the long haul. I think the Express are, are poised to make a move. But on that, we are going to move on to our uh, no dice. So, Boz, who, who don't you believe in this week? Or who don't you believe in uh, from what you saw last week? All right, so this is coming a little bit out of the box. It's still inside the Alliance. So a little brand brand show right there. Marvin Lewis and his announcing crew. No dice. No dice. I'm not sure if you caught this. Uh, it was kind of a hot mic, hot video moment uh, where Marvin Lewis started. Obviously, what are they going to do when they think they're not on TV? They're going to trash Christian Hackenberg and his completion percentage because that's what any normal human would do. So they're making fun of him. Someone else says, you know, you can't say this. It goes on, oh, we're just on Bleacher Report. Someone else from their announcing crew makes the unfortunate comments of nobody's watching, nobody's listening, no one cares. Very unfortunate, but what can you expect from a Marvin Lewis? He has one good week, he has one bad week, stays 500 for life, be it coaching, be it in the announcing booth. 500, that's pretty good for him, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I, I agree. I agree that, 
you know, not not a great announcing crew. I, I would have to agree with your no dice. Uh, for my no dice, I'm going to stick with the football side of it uh, and go with San Diego Fleet and especially Philip Nelson. You know, a couple of nice runs uh, in Jaquan Gardner, an 83-yard run. Terrell Watson had a nice game for them. Uh, and Philip Nelson himself had a nice game, 17 of 25, 193 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. But I'm just not seeing it from this team. I think this was a one-off game for the San Antonio Commanders. I think their defense struggled mightily, giving up some big runs. Uh, but I don't see this continuing for the San Diego Fleet team. You know, this is a team who uh, barely beat the uh, Atlanta Legends at home a couple weeks ago. Uh, and they also, you know, lost in pretty convincing fashion to the San Antonio Commanders week one. Uh, mm-hmm. I just don't believe in this team, as I alluded to earlier, in this upcoming game when they're going to Memphis. I think you're going to see the, the league kind of turn upside down there. You got the 2-1 San Diego Fleet, the 0-3 Memphis Express. I, I think the, the, the Memphis Express takes it to the San Diego Fleet here. So I am not buying the San Diego Fleet or their 2-1 record. I still think they're one of the bottom feeders in this league. I think they're, they're right there with the Atlanta Legends. We saw it you know, at home, almost lost to Atlanta. Uh, I am not buying the San Diego Fleet or Philip Nelson. I'm I'm all with you that right there. It their their game. I mean, obviously they they ran away with it, but you know we can dive into it later. But they just the fleet didn't look like they were anything special. It's tough to beat a team two times in three in three weeks. You know I I'm I'm all with you right there for fade in the fleet. So we're gonna go into our week three recap now. Uh, we are going to go through each game, uh, talk about some of the highlights. Um, go through our week through preview, or I'm sorry, our week four preview, and then we're going to make our picks as always. So we're going to start with the Saturday afternoon game. This is one of them, probably the most surprising game of the weekend, in my opinion. Salt Lake Stallions over the Arizona Hotshots, 23-15. to 15. Now this was Salt Lake's first game at home, so first chance to see what they're like at home. 0-2 start on the road. Uh, but taking it to a team in the Arizona Hotshots <laughs> that, that came in very strong. They came in, their, their offense had been playing very, very well. Uh, they were able to shut down that offense uh, very well, and they, uh, you know, the, the Hotshots defense was pretty much what you expect from them, 23 points. That's, that's about as good as it gets. So, Boz, what are your thoughts on this game? Was this surprising to you to see the, the Hotshots upset in this one? Uh, well, going back to like I just said, it's tough to beat a team twice in three weeks. It's also tough to win when you're one for 12 in um, third and fourth down efficiency. What I took out of this game, completely outside of the win-loss, I'm looking through my notes right now. I got Trevor Knight this, Trevor Knight that, everything good about Trevor Knight. I loved it. I was so excited. I mean, you know, hope Wolford's okay. I hope he's good. I hope he's, you know, healthy and in good health. I hope Trevor Knight stays the starting quarterback. I love watching him play. He's got a cannon. He's got an arm. He's got the wheels. He targeted Josh Huff, what is it, eight times, I believe. He's going deep from every time. He just got, he's a little bit erratic with the throws, but dude, it's, it's, he's fun to watch. He's fun to watch. And before, before uh, uh, Wolford got hurt, they even brought Knight in to do a two point conversion. So you know that they were trying to start fixing him into plays. So. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, like the Saints. They're they're running some different options, taking Drew Brees out of the game. Mm-hmm. 
uh, you know, sort of the same idea there with Trevor Knight, but then when John Wolford goes down, Trevor Knight gets into the game. But 8 of 17, 95 yards, no touchdowns. It doesn't necessarily jump off it, jump off the page at you. He's he's taking some shots downfield, but is he taking too many shots downfield? I mean, it, it almost seems like he cost him the game there at the end. John Wolford was, was going pretty steady. You need someone that keeps the, the offense moving a little more. You appreciate the shots downfield, but the guys who can move the sticks tend to be the guy that uh, has more success in this league too. You know, I, I see that, and, and I, I realize what you're saying, but I also think Trevor Knight could be the guy who puts up 400 yards. Once he starts finding that connection with Huff and he's been targeting him like crazy, it's going to go – he's going to put up unrealistic numbers. Um, I did have a couple of notes in relation to the game outside of my boy. So um, real quick, uh, a couple things on Woodrum. So he came back after the week one uh, injury. Uh, one thing I noticed, noticed in the league, and this is for going forward too, they don't really have an injury report as regulated as the NFL. So I know the NFL has very detailed who practice, who doesn't. It's almost impossible to see who's starting for the hot shots next week. And Woodrum, they actually announced that he'd be the starter 30 minutes prior to game via Twitter. So it, it's kind of cool. But uh, did, you, did you get a chance to see when he was uh, mic'd up he uh he wanted to throw when they were up twenty three to twelve and four minutes left. He was begging the coach. He's like, "Hey, their 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 cornerbacks just letting let my wide receiver go after three steps. Could I just sail one over his head?" And obviously he wasn't allowed. But it was it was kind of a cool back and forth. I know we talked about that week one too, but uh, it was cool seeing that. Yeah, it's interesting to see the player coach interaction, but. Like we talked about before, that's going to be the nature of this league. These guys don't necessarily care about the game or mm-hmm. you know the etiquette that goes with the game. If that means that they don't get to show it off a little bit, you're up by a couple scores. To to him, that's okay. I, this is my chance to show off my arm. I can just let loose mm-hmm. if I throw a pick. No big deal. I just want to throw you know throw a deep ball, try to hit someone on a 60-yard touchdown pass, and, and show an NFL team what I can do. So it's that showcase. kind of behavior does not surprise me. Yeah, it's it's a it's a showcase. But you know, you said Trevor Knight lost the game. I'm actually going to flip the script on you. Sorry to keep jumping around. Rick Neuheisel lost this game for them. Four minutes, five seconds left in the game. They don't do a field goal attempt. And they were down 11 points. It would have made it an eight-point game, and they could have either gone for it on uh, for the fourth and 12 to convert it, or they could have just played defense, which actually did end up getting the ball back. So they didn't convert on that. Uh, I think it was they went for it on fourth and three at the 12-yard line. They went for it, didn't make it, got the ball back, and ended up going down. Um, but it, it it's ridiculous. Why would you not kick the field goal, make it a one-possession game, and – all you need is one more touchdown and a two-point conversion, and you win. I think that's just very, very poor coaching on on New Heisel's part. Yeah, I was confused by that as well. You, you really just need—it's a two-score game at that point. No matter what mm-hmm. you do, you need two two scores. So no reason not to kick the field goal in that, at that point. Uh, you know, I think you got a good kicker in Nick Folk. You you trust him to make that field goal, and then mm-hmm. you go right back down. You you try to convert and and get your drive started again on the other end. So, I agree with you there. I think that that cost him a lot, but uh, their running attack was not what it used to be. It, that was not typical of them in, in this game. And and credit to the Salt Lake Stallions. Their defense played well. 
They were stuffing mm-hmm. the run all night, uh, but it was a you know a rare uh, poor performance out of the rushing attack from Arizona. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's all I really have to say about this game. It's going to be great seeing Knight and Huff go forward. On that note, we're going to move on to the Saturday night game, which was the Memphis Express and the Orlando Apollos. So, as we alluded to earlier, uh, you know the Memphis Express came up short in this one. They lost 21-17. But Christian Hackenberg started this game for the Express, uh, continued his struggles, and the coaching staff decided that now was the time to make the change. Um, And they went straight to Zach Mettenberg this time. He was said to be the third-string quarterback, but uh, apparently he was the backup coming into this one, and he made his way right up to starter and, and really made the most of his opportunity. 9 for 12, 120 yards, two touchdowns, a two-point conversion. He, he looked like one of the best quarterbacks in this league, him and Garrett Gilbert going at it. It was a pretty fun show to watch on Saturday night, uh, but he, he couldn't quite bring the Memphis Express back. It was just a little bit too late, so... I was very impressed by this Memphis Express team. I think they played some good defense as well, hold, holding the Apollos to 21 points. That's that's uh, quite the feat. You know, the Orlando mm-hmm. Apollos scoring uh, near 40 points a game up until this point. So uh, I thought the Memphis Express looked really well, as I mentioned before. I think this is a team now to be reckoned with. With Zach Mettenberger, at quarterback, I think they are um, – you know, one of the top teams in the league, and they may make a push for the playoffs. They're now 0-3, making it more difficult. But this team is going to make a push in the last couple of weeks here. I mean, you definitely summed it up. As much as I distrust Mettenberger going forward, he played a great game. I mean, when you're averaging, you know, 10, par- 10 yards per attempt, 120 yards, 9 for 12, two touchdowns, two-point conversion, you know, he played a great game. And there's not denying that. And unfortunately, there's just wasn't enough time uh you know they had to let hackenberg out there for for as long as they did um you know i mean hackenberger's or sorry not hackenberger hackenberg's definitely thrown i'd say his last pass of his professional career unless for some reason the xfl wants to sign him but i mean he did have that nice 46 yard pass which immediately after i write down in notes hackenberg might be back he throws you know one of his two interceptions so, you know, it, again, Gilbert played a great game. He's solidifying that MVP candidate role that he's he's been in. And um, it, it, I want to see this game played again uh, at, at home at, at Express. And I want to see what happens in that rematch because I think it's going to be a lot closer um, going forward. Yeah, I agree. And, and no discredit to the Orlando Apollo here. I know we're talking a lot about the Memphis Express, but mm-hmm. Garrett Gilbert had another solid game, 200-plus yards and a touchdown, uh, a, a balanced attack as well. They had uh, a very good rushing attack, averaging about six yards a carry between uh, between their three running backs. So uh, a really balanced attack. They were able to hold down the Memphis Express on defense when they needed it. So uh, you know, I'm still impressed by this team every week. It's, it's just becoming more and more the norm. Uh, and we just don't mm-hmm. even talk about it because this is what we've come to expect from this team. They they are at the top of this league. Uh, you know, they're right up there. The Birmingham Hires also 3-0. But Orlando has, has done so in convincing fashion in the first couple of weeks here. Uh, so no surprise here that they came out on top in this one. Yeah, definitely. They're they're solidifying that spot, and like you said, and we'll we'll get onto the the iron soon. But Orlando just does it in a much better fashion, and it, 
they they've really shown themselves. They're they're becoming the Patriots of this AF after you know a couple weeks. So we can pump the brakes, but yeah. So moving on to the Sunday games, uh, the first one we have here is the Birmingham Iron at the Atlanta Legends. Birmingham took this one 28-12. Uh, really kind of it took control there in the second half. Uh, it was a close game up until that point. Uh, but that, that's the way the Birmingham Iron play. You know, their defense is really good. They're going to hold you tight. Uh, you know, their, their offense is okay. You know, Luis Perez is going to keep you in the game. He's never going to get you out of a game. Their rushing attack. Trent Richardson is Trent Richardson going to get the ball 20 times a game, and he's probably going to average three yards or less a carry. Oh my God, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so, Birmingham Iron, you know, not in convincing fashion. They want beat the Atlanta Legends 28-12. Atlanta's just struggling right now. Uh, like you said, Matt Sims had a, a decent game where he had a lot of yards. Uh, completion percentage was pretty good, well over 50%. Uh, but this team is just not there at this point. So um, I'll pass it off to you here, Boss. What, what were your thoughts on this one? So the Memphis, or the Birmingham Iron is just a gritty team. They got a great defense. One thing that uh, kind of just sounded the alarms for me, uh, Denard Robinson had a sweep that he ended up passing on. And um, the coverage from Birmingham and just the, the know-with-all of knowing, hey, Denard Robinson, who – gets less than 10 touches a, a you know less than five touches a game he has a chance to throw the ball they were prepared enough to to read that coverage read that sweep and stay with their guys and make that stop and th- that kind of just solidified how well that defense is um uh going on to Luis Perez he kind of came back down to earth this game nothing special like you said it's gonna be a game manager and that's what you defense no problem uh trent richardson his yards per carry is ridiculously funny his yards per carry to touchdown is just great uh he's actually i i saw this is my one stat for the week actually his yards per carry has been decreasing since alabama he was a 5.8 at bama 3.5 at cleveland 3.1 at indianapolis and a 2.5 at birmingham so you know that's your one stat you got a week from me um <laughs> it's it's hilarious all he does is score touchdowns uh when you're looking at the atlanta side i know i talked about matt sims before he had three interceptions his three interceptions one hit the wide receiver in a face mask and bounced off what are you going to do about that that's that should have been a 15 yard completion it's an interception another the wide receiver ran the wrong route so it's going to get picked off when you don't run the right route. And then the last was uh, they were down 16 with a minute, and he was just airing it out. So I think three interceptions, it's going to happen when you're losing the game and you have to throw 48 times. But, I mean, and again, he was a leading rusher. When you, your next leading rusher has nine rush yards, you're not going to do anything. It is just ridiculous. They had 16 rushing yards outside of the quarterback. You can't win a game like that i don't care how good birmingham irons defense is you have to establish a run game some way or another yeah and the surprising thing in this game is it was not out of control early you would Mm -hmm. think with that Mm -hmm. many pass attempts and that those little rushing attempts you would think that this game was out of hand from the start but it was it was nine to six at halftime it was nothing nothing after the first quarter so Atlanta really gave up on the rushing attack very quickly, just fully relied on Matt Sims, and that has not been a recipe for success for them right now. Now, granted, 
they haven't been able to find a good rusher so far. Lawrence Pittman has had his times. You know, Denard Robinson is the guy with the promise, but he's shown us nothing so far this year. So really disappointing that Atlanta has not been able to get the rushing attack going uh, and really has put a lot on that Sims. And this defense is not producing either for them. And, you know, 28 points to the Birmingham Iron, that's, that's a lot for a team that, is not necessarily mm-hmm. playing all that well on offense at the moment. Luis Perez, you know, he's been okay this year. And, and like you said, Trent Richardson is just a bruiser. All he does is he gets down by the goal line. He puts it in for you. But other than that, he doesn't do a whole lot else. Uh, 17 carries, 46 yards, three touchdowns. That's one of the strangest lines I've seen. But fantasy owners got to love that. Three touchdowns, that's a great day in fantasy owners' books. <laughs> That's great. Hey, you know, uh, history in the AAF was made this game. The first onside conversion was completed in the history of the AAF this game with a nice long throw for Matt Sims. That's two stats you got for me. One game. If that doesn't make Matt Sims the best quarterback in this league, I don't know what does. He's in the history books. (laughs) All right. On that note, we are going to move on to the final game of the weekend. And that was the San Antonio Commanders at the San Diego Fleet. So maybe this one was the most surprising game. Uh, I think people were higher mm-hmm. on Arizona than they were on San Antonio. But this San Diego Fleet team beat the Commanders in convincing fashion this week, 31-11. to 11. It was at home for the San Diego Fleet. But again, they, they lost to the Commanders in the first matchup this year. And then, uh, you know, barely beat the Atlanta Legends at home, who look like, uh, you know, a team that uh, everyone is rolling over at this point. And then they come out and beat the Commanders by 20 points. So, you know, we've seen these two rematches in the West. Both of them have resulted in the other team winning, the home team in both cases as well. So, Boz, what are your thoughts on this? Is this a case of the home field advantage in this team in this league really means something, or is this, you know, it's just difficult to beat the same team twice, or or maybe San Diego saw something this week that they didn't know before week one? I would say the home field probably gives that standard swing of three points, and I, I know it's skewed a lot towards the home field this year, but it's. It's really, it's just tough to beat a team twice in three weeks. You can make the adjustments. And, you know, when when one team wins, the other team has the ability to make the adjustments. The team that wins, they're not going to want to really change anything because why would they change anything? Because they already won. So <clears throat> it's just, it's it's so tough to beat that, beat that same team twice in such a short span. A um, couple notes on the game. Uh, so commanders were came out really early with that interception and a touchdown. I think it was within... 20 seconds he turned the game on they're up eight nothing and then they kind of stalled from there on uh mikhail mckay he's still a beast he's he's gonna get signed so quickly to an nfl team you just look at his skills and you know he, i mean yardage and and stat wise he's always up there in the top but he's just he's just got the moves when he gets the ball he's he's a beast in the open field and and that's going to translate really over when he does i if there was one player that i would could put money on, put the mortgage on, who's going to be in the NFL, it's going to be Mikael McKay. He's going to find a team next year. Yeah, I would agree. He's not necessarily leading the league in yards at this point, but I, I think he's 
I agree with you that he looks like one of the most skilled guys in terms of quickness and agility and catching ability. I, I think he's a really good player, and, and I think that that combination with, with Greg Ward is, is actually a really good wide receiver combo that they have over there. Uh, Greg Ward hasn't done a whole mm-hmm. lot for this team, but I'm expecting more from him. Um, you know, I, I was talking bad about the fleet a little bit earlier in the show, but I do need to give them credit where credit is due. Something that we saw at the end of the, the fleet in Atlanta game is they started to get that running attack going. That's what the Atlanta Legends have been missing the entire year. There was no separation in that Week 2 game until the fleet started to get their rushing attack going. And then it looks like they carried that into the San Antonio Commanders game, uh, and they really were able to dominate with the rushing attack throughout the game, which then in turn helped Philip Nelson, who maybe overperformed in this game because he got a lot of help from his rushing attack. So that's, that's the way that I kind of look at this. San Diego is, is finding their bread and butter with that rushing attack with Daquan Gardner and Terrell, Terrell Watson. Uh, this team is starting to put it together. The defense looked really good against uh, the San Antonio Commanders. Uh, Logan Woodside was just not quite there for, for this one. He was not his normal self, um, I, you know. Maybe a guy like Johnny Manziel really does help them. You know, Logan Woodside. Manziel to McKay all day. Woodside has shown some some good signs. He played well in that Orlando Apollos game, uh, but really just came up short in this one. So you never know. Maybe they go out and sign Johnny Manziel, uh, another local boy from Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that ends up making a lot of sense for this team. Yeah, I mean, the one note I had on, on Woodside was QB hit on Woodside. You'll love to see it. So, again, big big QB hits. That, that, that annoyed me so much in the NFL this year. So I was excited about that. But uh, one other note, too, um, Jaquan Gardner, like you said, he had a great running game, set the AAF record for longest touchdown. So we got history breaking all over the place this week. It's, a, one of the, it's at least one of the top top weeks, top five weeks in the AAF for history broken. Giving me stats all over the place here. Now I got three stats from you. It's a big week. All right, on that note, we are going to move on to our week four preview. So we're going to look at each of these games. We're going to pick against the line. Not so hot last week, so not sure if you want to take out your notebooks on this one or or maybe you just want to fade our picks. But we're going to make them anyways. We're going to keep this going all year. And uh, we are going to go through our week four picks. So the first game, uh, the Saturday afternoon game, we have the Orlando Apollos at the Salt Lake Stallions. So Orlando, as we talked about, the best team in the league so far. Salt Lake coming uh, up off of a big upset over Arizona at home. So, Boz, how do you see this one going down? Uh, I got Apollos minus four. When you can when you can take the Apollos at, at such a small number, you got to hit it and you got to run. I know – I know, I know, it's that whole home field. You got to take the team at home. Salt Lake's coming off a big win. They're gonna fade. You always fade a team coming off a big win. This game's gonna go. So I got Apollo's minus four. Game's also gonna be over forty-five and a half. It's gonna be a shootout. Yeah, I gotta agree with you there. Um, I I gotta take the Orlando Apollos. I I think that was more of a case of Arizona coming up short last game at Salt Lake. I don't think that that's indicative of this Salt Lake team just being that good of a home team. Uh, I like the Apollos a lot. 
minus four, you know, not a huge difference at the end of the day. I think the Orlando Apollos win this one big. And over under, did you say 45 and a half? 40 and a half, 40 and okay. a half. Okay, I just didn't know if I was seeing something different. So, um, yeah, we have 40 and a half, and I'm taking the over as well. I think both of these teams are very offensive-minded teams. Uh, neither one necessarily has great defense we've seen so far. So 40 and a half, I, I think that one gets taken easily. Next one, the Saturday night game, San Diego Fleet at the Memphis Express. So like we talked about before, we're expecting to see Zach Mettenberger out there for the Memphis Express. San Diego Fleet coming in off two big victories. Now they are 2-1 and one playing the 0-3 Memphis Express. Bob, what do you think about this one? So like I said, Mettenberger is trash, but they're going to they're gonna win this game. I, they're... They're going to win this game. They're going to cover that six and a half. The game's going to be over 39 and a half. It's, it's just tough because I still think, I think after two, three weeks, Mettenberger is going to, they're going to find out what he's doing, how they, how they play defense against him, but then he'll regress. I think he's got one more good week in him. And then after that, it's done. Yeah. I, well, I have to agree with you this week. Uh, I don't think that, Mettenberger is going to fade out anytime soon. But I think that this team is going to play well uh, this week and for the rest of the season. So Memphis plus six all day. I think that's easy. That's easy money from the Memphis Express over under 39 and a half. That's over all day. Zach Mettenberger and this Express team playing well. San Diego Fleet just put up 31 on the San Antonio Commanders. So I like this i like the over as well i think i think these are both easy money oh definitely definitely and and i do see that the money the majority of the money is going on express too so i take this line as soon as possible because i can see it reverting down to five and a half five so take this line as soon as possible uh who do you have in the birmingham iron uh san antonio commanders game all right, yeah, so the Sunday uh, Sunday afternoon game, we have the San Antonio Commanders at the Birmingham Iron. The line is 8.5, uh, eight plus 8.5 for the San Antonio Commanders. Over under set is 35, 35. I bet you never see that in a football game. That is extremely low. So I like the San Antonio Commanders. I think this is a, a case where everyone is jumping off the San Antonio Commanders too hmm. quickly. Um you know, it's hard to say that people are jumping on the Birmingham Iron too quickly because they are 3-0 and and they have been playing very well. But they don't blow teams out for the most part. I mean, you know, the Met- I guess they have actually kind of blown out two teams. But it was the Memphis <laughs> Express led by Christian Hackenberg and the Atlanta Legends who are just beyond struggling at this point. I think the San Antonio Commanders are still right there, kind of in the middle of the pack to the top of this league. I think it was a fluke against the San Diego Fleet. So uh, I think this one may in turn go to the Birmingham Iron and give them a slight edge because they're at home. But I think this one's close. So I'm taking San Antonio plus eight and a half. I am going the complete opposite. I think I think Birmingham's going to win. Uh, you know, they do have a track record. I know that they, so like you said, when they do win big, it's against the Legends, it's against the Express. And then when they play a legit team, it's 12 to nine. Okay, it's a close game, that one game. We don't have enough historical evidence to see you know to really fully predict that i think that they cover that eight and a half again i don't like that eight and a half line 
So if you can wait until it gets down to eight, so it's more of that AAF line of that touchdown and extra point, I'd wait to take that. But I, I do think Birmingham's going to win by hopefully two touchdowns. Uh, I'm also going to hit the over on that, over 35. You can't take an under 35. You just can't. It's you're te- you're, you're fighting Vegas when you do that, and the house always wins. Watch me. I'm taking the under. <laughs> I got the under in this one. Birmingham, I am not going to put up a lot of points in this one. I think San Antonio's defense is going to come out to play this week. Uh, and the Birmingham Irons defense is obviously going to hold down San Antonio. I'm taking the under. I think we're going to see another 12-9 to game in this one, something like that. I, I'm extremely confident in that under, even though it's just 35 points. I don't, I don't see this one going over at all. So moving on to our fourth and final game, Sunday night, Atlanta Legends at the Arizona Hot Shots. Boz, do our Legends have a shot here? So I bet on the Legends three times. My record shows that I've bet on the Legends three times with my losing record, and I'm pretty sure I've lost every single game with them. I'm taking Hot Shots minus 14.5. It's a big line, but it's a big line for a reason. Um I'm hoping Trevor Knight's in there. I think if if you're going to bet on the hot shots, for some reason Nevada doesn't like Trevor Knight as much as I do. So wait until you see that Trevor Knight's in the game and then the Lions probably going to drop to about eh, 8 to 10 and then take them. But guess what? When Trevor Knight's in there, they're going to win by 20. So it doesn't even matter. They're hitting that over. Trevor Knight, 250 yards, three touchdowns. You know what? Scratch that. 325 yards, three touchdowns. Josh Huff, he's getting one touchdown that's over 75 yards. You can book it. All right. You heard it, folks. Mark it down. We're going to challenge Boz on that one next week. We're going to see how it turns out. (laughs) I tend to not believe him. I don't think that's going to be the case. I will agree with you on the over at 40 and a half. Uh, Neither of these defenses playing particularly well. I think this one hits the over. Uh, but I'm going to take the Atlanta Legends plus 14 and a half. I have been underwhelmed by this Arizona defense all year. I think this helps Atlanta find their rush, their rushing attack a little bit, help Matt Sims out. He's going to continue to play well. I just don't see this being a two-touchdown game. I, I think the Atlanta Legends keep it closer than that at the end of the day. Uh, I don't see them winning on the road at Arizona. I don't think they have it in them. But they're going to keep this closer than 14 and a half. So give me the legends and the over. You don't make a lot of money betting on the legends. I'll, I'm, I'm going to end that right there. All right. So now we are going to move on to a new segment. This is going to be our final segment of the show here. Uh, and we are going to give you our locks. So we're going to give you one lock each. What we think you can bet your life savings on. And you can feel comfortable doing so. So, Boz, I will leave this one off to you. Um, I'm sorry, I missed one thing. We're also going to pick one underdog as well. So, one underdog that we think maybe will win outright. So, Boz, on that note, we're going to start with you. Who is your lock for this week? All right, so originally before this show, I actually had the Apollos uh, claiming that minus four is my lock. But then I kind of got into it and I got excited about Trevor Knight and my emotions took over. Did a little audible in the past five seconds. Hot shots. Lock it up. Minus 14 and a half. Done deal. Put your entire... 
take out your mortgage, put it all in Vegas, probably limits, but who cares? Hit that limit on every single book you can go. Hot shots minus 14 and a half is my lock. Bold prediction. 14 and a half point line, and there your lock. Very mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. So I, I'm going to combine mine here a little bit. I think the folks may have an idea where I'm going with this one based on the way I've talked this entire show. My lock, Memphis Express, plus six. Lock it in the books. You know what? Lock this one outright for the Memphis Express at home versus San Diego Fleet. Not a doubt in my mind that they take this one outright. They're about to catch fire in this league. They're going to make a run for the playoffs. It's going to be close starting 0-3 and not having a ton of games in the season in general. But for this week against this overrated San Diego Fleet team at home, you got Zach Mettenberger on your side. Plus six is easy. I think they blow them out and win this one outright. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to have to I, – I hate to agree with you here, and I want to diversify some of our underdogs so the listeners don't have to, you know – fit with just K squared sports, but you know, taking them plus one ninety, I think that's a pretty good bet. It is a little bit low on quality, so we do see that a lot of people have been taking the money line. Uh if you do want to get a little bit better return, I could see Commander sneaking this out at a plus two eighty. It's a little bit risky of a bet because Birmingham is a very good team and I do think they cover, but I could definitely see something happening where, you know, they just don't get up to the goal line. Uh, you know, they don't get that that rushing touchdown that they've been getting with uh, Trent Richardson and Perez puts another stinker out and maybe San Antonio puts it together. So if you want to diversify some of those underdogs, hit it with the commanders. But I just can't see the Express losing this game at home. Yeah, I agree with your commanders uh, pick there. I think that these are two low-scoring offenses and, and neither one's really going to pull away. So for an eight-and-a-half-point line there, uh, I think that's a good bet on the San Antonio Commanders. And, um, you know, if you're looking for an over-under line to bet, uh, I'm looking at that over at the San Diego-Memphis game as well. Those two defenses haven't really been there. Um, you know, San Diego had, had a decent game mm-hmm. in San Antonio, but in general haven't really been there. Uh, I, I think the over in that one is a lock, too. It's a fairly low line at 39.5. So um, good, good that's, that's my thought on the over-under. So on that note, uh, we're going to wrap up the show here. This has been the Inside the Alliance podcast presented by K-Squared Sports. Uh, As for myself, Kevin Long, and my co-host, Kevin Boswick, we are signing off. Enjoy the football this weekend, and we look forward to talking to you again next week.